welcome to the Ziggler Inspire Podcast. Ziggler Inspire Podcast. Better than good day to you. My name is Blake Lindsay. I am really glad you're here this week for Zig Ziggler's Inspire Podcast. Welcome. I hope you're in the mood for some romance because that's exactly what we're going to be talking about. Today's selection is one of my personal favorites. It's from Zig Ziggler's audio series titled Courtship After Marriage. Listen to Zig reminds us how important it is to always treat our mate with courtesy and respect. I'll be back in a couple of minutes. Want to have a beautiful relationship? Want to have an exciting marriage? Want to have a loving marriage? Want to have fun in your marriage is the question. Then let me suggest that you start the whole courtship process over. Do you remember how it was when you first met? You remember? Ladies, you know, you went home and you said, Oh, Mom, I met him. You met who? Oh, Mom, the cutest boy. Oh, Mom. Now, he doesn't look like much, but Mom, you have absolutely got to see him. And you remember how it was, fellas, after you had met her and you'd gotten that first date and how excited you were. It was going to be next Thursday night, you remember? And the date was at 7 o'clock and you only lived five miles from her, but you cranked that old jalopy up at 6 o'clock just in case you had a flat. You don't want to be late. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened on the way down. You had that flat, and you got to walk two miles back to the service station to get the tire plugged up because you don't have a spare, and you realize you're running late, and so you call that little girl, and you say, Honey, I'm running a little bit late, but I'll be there. Don't worry. And you remember, ladies, how you responded when you said, Oh, that's okay, honey. I'm glad you called, though I would have been worried, but I'll be ready. And, of course, when he got there, you obviously were not ready. I mean, you made the rascal wait that respectful 15 minutes. You remember that. And you remember when you made that grand entrance on that first date, how you put that best foot forward? I mean, you came prancing out of there. You remember when all of that took place. And you know that little girl been running up and down those front steps every day for the last 19 years. But all of a sudden, you guys become concerned about her ability to negotiate those steps. I mean, you help the poor little thing down. Some of them are seven inches high. When you get out to the car, no female girl could be expected to open that monstrous thing. So you open open it for her and you help the poor little thing in and you gently and snugly close that door. Do a double check on the seatbelt. Make absolutely certain she is secure and safe there in the confines of your automobile. You drive down to the movie and you load up on popcorn and peanuts and candy and, and the whole bit. You go in and you wolf yours down just absolutely as fast as you can and then you volunteer to help her. And you've been seated, you know, 30 or 40 minutes and you remember you had a little plan in the back of your mind. You remember you got tired of sitting there and you started to stretch. <laughs> you clever rascal, you. <laughs> and that hand just happened to drop in the right place. You remember when you were doing all of those things, how you would move heaven and earth. You'd plot and plan. You would do everything to get your beloved off by herself for 15 minutes, anytime, place, under any circumstances. And then one day you got married. Dr. George Crane says this, if you find yourself falling out of love, go back and court your mate like you did when you fell in love and you will fall back in love. Now I want to emphasize something. You might not agree with some of the steps that I advocate that you take. But the steps are not the important thing. I'm talking about a principle. 
What you want to do every day of your life for your mate is do something for your mate that your mate is totally capable of doing for themselves. If they can't do it, you have an obligation and a responsibility to do it. But if they can do it and you do it for them, you're saying, honey, I sure do love you. You're important to me. This reminds me of something that's important. Now, folks, I'm from another generation. I still say yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. I still believe in some of the old-fashioned approaches to life. For example, in all the years the redhead and I have been married, I honestly don't think she's opened the car door for herself a dozen times when I was there. Now, obviously, she's capable of opening that car door. That's a simple thing to do. But I love to do it because every time I do it, it is a reminder to me. Here's the person I love. Here's somebody that's important to me. I take special delight in doing this little thing. Ladies, I've often said to wives that if your husband gets out of that car and walks away without acting like the gentleman he ought to be, what you need to do is you just sit on that horn. You remind that rascal that he has a responsibility to you. What it does, as I say, it really serves as a marvelous reminder. It really does. One of the things that I hold so important, and that's always, fellas, to keep your wife the most important person when you're with anybody and everybody. From time to time, it happened as a matter of fact on this last trip out of town. From time to time, I'm picked up by a couple. And many times, the wife wants to sit in the back seat. On many occasions, the husband has even suggested that the wife sit in the back seat. I'm flattered that they want to honor me, but that is a misplaced concept on the part of that husband. Uh, his wife is the most important person on this earth to him. She occupies that seat up front by him. I would never dream of sitting in that seat if there is a wife along. Honor your wives, fellas. They will love you for it and respect you for it. Ladies, let me say something to you, and fellas, let me say something to you. When you and your mate get back together at the end of the day, you have no idea during those first few seconds what has been taking place. Welcome your mate home. What a difference it will make. Treat your mate always as if they've had a tough day. A lot of times they have. Whether they have or not, though, they'll be grateful to you that you did. I talk about commitment a lot because that's the key to the whole thing, really. The commitment is strong. You can work out so much. In our culture today, we're seeing more and more these high-profile people who end up being married two, three, four, five times even they're very successful in their jobs. They have millions and millions of dollars. They live in their luxury homes. They even have their own jets. All of the toys of the trade of being that top-ranking, highfalutin CEO. 
What we need to look at as we compare their lives with our lives and other lives is this. Our research, to repeat myself, proves all over the world people want to be happy, healthy, at least reasonably prosperous. They want to be secure and have friends, peace of mind, good family relationships, and the hope that the future is going to be even better. Now, I want to emphasize a point. You can acquire all the things that money buys without one lick of character. You can't acquire any of the things that money won't buy without character. So I would ask the question of these high-profile people, how happy are they? How healthy are they? How secure are they? How many friends do they have? How are they getting along with their current mate and the current children they're living with? How many friends do they have? How secure do they feel with all of these things? You will find analyzing those people that the really important, significant things are missing in their lives. On the other hand, we can examine people like Truett Cathy, who happens to be the founder and head of Chick-fil-A the company that does over a billion dollars a year in business. They are operating in many countries around the world. They have values. They do not open on Sunday and never have. They believe that their workers need that day off, and it honors God in the process of doing that. They've given away millions, and I do mean millions and millions of dollars in scholarship funds. They set up funds, Mr. Kathy has, for orphanages. He has a home for orphans. He does all of those things. A stable, beautiful, loving marriage that goes back something like 60 years. It can be done, but really the heart of what he does is wrapped around one word, God. He honors God in everything he does. He does a lot of praying. He worships with a lot of people. He has the things in his company that lead people to know that there is a God, and it is not money. The bottom line is he's one of those men who's done it all, maintained it all. He's happy, healthy, and he has a lot of joy in his life. Yes, it can be done. We need to evaluate what we really want out of life. A study was done and reported in Psychology Today on 1,139 CEOs of the Fortune 2000 companies. Average income, $356,000. Pretty good income. Their number one priority was their family. Their number one asset was their integrity. All of them were hard workers, but they were peak performers, not workaholics. There's a big difference. Their average work week was a little over 50 hours. Now, that's a long week, but it's not the workaholic week. The basic difference is a workaholic works out of fear and or greed. Now, both of those are powerful emotions, but they are negative emotions. The peak performer works out of love, love for what they're doing, love for performing the service, love for delivering, and love for the people that they're delivering for, namely their family. Now, love is always going to produce better results than either fear or greed. The reality is these workaholics, and this stuns a lot of people, but let me emphasize, 
I check everything out psychologically, <laughs> physiologically, and theologically before I either record it or write it or speak it in a public seminar. And when I talk about a workaholic, I'm obviously not talking about the mother who has been abandoned by her husband and has to work the third job to support them. That's a loveaholic. That's not a workaholic. I'm not talking about the father who has to work 20 or 30 hours overtime to provide for the needs of his family. That too is a loveaholic, not a workaholic. I'm talking about the individual that works those 7 to 80 hour weeks to buy another house, a luxury car, a, a luxurious piece of jewelry or whatever, and neglects the family uh, in the process. So when I talk about the family, the very courtship process, I'm talking about an important facet of American life. A lot hinges on it, and the reason I like to talk about courtship after marriage and the long relationship is because according to Dr. George Truett, a man and woman should choose each other for life for the simple reason that a long life is barely enough time for a man and woman to understand each other and to understand is to love. Now the family is tied to our productivity and so let me point out in a little analogy that health is more than the absence of illness and a happy marriage is more than the absence of conflict. We want to talk about attitude as it relates to this because man, or men I should say, basically are not very empathetic and they're just now beginning to understand that a woman is not really going to think like a man. Now, how many times have I heard a man say, I just don't understand that woman. And what he's trying to do is get that woman to think like he does. And we keep saying that men and women basically are different and how happy we are that uh, they're different. Now, we have, as a result of it, a lot of communications problems and they lead to conflict. And this is compounded by the shift in roles we have in society, and this results in confusion. We've just gone through the IDI decade. I deserve it, is what a lot of people are thinking. And when a man and a woman, when a husband and wife begin to think in terms of I deserve this and I deserve that, uh, then that marriage might have some difficulty. Now, the social researchers over the last three decades, as they looked at the selfishness aspect that's been developing in our society, so many times the attitude in marriage is, I'll stay married to you as long as it doesn't interfere with my career. Now, that can have a disastrous result on the marriage itself. Or we'd have children, but we couldn't afford to maintain our lifestyle if we did are simply reflections of the me first philosophy. As you recall in the beginning of this series, I told you this was primarily gonna be a sales talk on marriage. It really is. I'm enthusiastic about marriage. And the reason I keep bringing it up, Paula England, an associate professor of sociology at the University of Texas at Dallas, says that women today are kind of exhausted. They're also in a double bind. She points out that the ones who work feel they've abandoned their children to daycare. 
the ones who stay home feel they are abandoning their own career and prospects. And when she begins to think in those terms, and the husband with parallel thinking there, when you think individually instead of as a team, and that's what we want to bring together, thinking as a team, planning as a team, working together, and that is what is going to make not only the marriage successful, but the result of that marriage successful. And bottom line here is they do an awful lot of miscommunication. You know, a lot of people think in a relationship that when they take turns talking that that's communicating. When in reality, a lot of times when the husband or the wife is talking, the other one is just sitting there waiting for them to finish whatever idiotic thing it is they're talking about so I can say something which is important. No, that's not exactly communications. A good marriage affords the excitement of using all of our abilities and yet provides the safety of protecting the one we love. I love what Dr. Richard Furman says, a wife wants a husband who listens, is understanding, is confident in himself, has security in his job, is dependable, is an achiever, is aggressive, but with humility and is trying to make the marriage better. Now, that humility is a very important word. You know, confidence without humility leads to arrogance. You see, you got to put them together. But notice the last sentence there is trying to make the marriage better. Basically, what a woman wants in marriage is a man whom she can look up to, but not one who will look down on her. Oh, what a significant point that is. I know that gave us at least one or two good ideas on how we can show those around us we love them. I don't know why it's so easy to begin to take those around us for granted. Many times we are more courteous to our server at lunch than we are our own family at dinner time. Today is a great day to begin to show our mate how much we appreciate them. If you missed last week's podcast, you missed out on a freebie, but I'm going to give you a few more days to take advantage of our free download offer. If you haven't done it yet, Ziggler.com slash inspire. One more time, that's Ziggler, Z-I-G-L-A-R.com slash inspire, I-N-S-P-I-R-E. As soon as you're there, you're going to be able to download free of charge 60 minutes of Zig sales message from last week. Thanks a lot for the positive feedback. Until next week, I'm Blake Lindsay, encouraging you to live your life to the fullest. Ziggler. Ziggler. Inspiring true performance.